All right, welcome back to Unleash, the most legit Celtics podcast in the game, episode number 99. Yep, 99. Next episode is 100, which is pretty crazy. But uh, unfortunately, I feel like we're not too positive in this episode. So if you're if you're in need of a Celtics vent session or <laughs> somehow need to, need to get that frustration out and hear someone that probably agrees with you, if you're not too high on the Celtics team right now, I hate to say it as, you know, a, a huge green teamer. I, I am sort of in that boat, so so you might you might find what you're looking for here. If you are someone that does not see any holes in this team right now and feels like they're just the best team in the world, you might disagree with what I have to say. But um, it is what it is. I hope you enjoy the show. Either way, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button. I really do appreciate it, each and every subscription that we get. I see the number go up, and it, it makes my day. Uh, make sure to like the video as well and comment down below whether you do agree or disagree with me. If you are listening to the audio version on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you're subscribed and following along there and doing what you need to do in terms of rating, reviewing, and whatnot. So, uh, again, appreciate those as well. All the love the podcast has been getting lately. I'm definitely uh, in favor of that, so thank you guys. But again, like I said, we're not too, too positive today. <laughs> this is coming the day after that loss to the Spurs. So last night's in, you know, we were on the post-game stream and talking about, you know, and, and it was in the chat. People were saying, this is a game that, you know, you're not disappointed. You're not you're not uh, sad about anything like that. You're literally coming out of that game pissed off. And I think that's totally valid. Like, I think that, you know, when my when I have to jump on live right after the game and do the post-game show, right, I still haven't had time to process what type of loss that was. So the Knicks, that loss, you know, a week ago was almost like a comical, like, oh, my God, what a bad loss. Like, this is just infuriating, right? The The Sixers game, the first one, at least, you're kind of like, oh, I'm just just disappointed. I'm annoyed. They had that game. The second one, you're kind of you're kind of more along the pissed lines. But now this Spurs game, you are entitled to be just absolutely pissed. And I know it was it was brought up on the stream that I was being like the spoiled brat Celtics fan, but uh, whatever, I'll own that because this was a game that they should have won. So that's what I was saying. Instead of could have won, you know how you lose a game and then you can make the argument, oh, they could have won that game. This was a game that not only could they have won, they legitimately should have won that game. Um, so we're not going to talk direct, direct, you know, game, gameplay, game play by play reaction to that. We're gonna we're gonna kind of dive into the bigger overarching issues, and then we have a couple voicemails to play um, that I'll react to. But uh, my overall take from the game, like I said, we're not going to react to the entire game or, or talk about it. But my overall take is pretty much that you know that game was lost right before the half, and then when Kemba Walker got pickpocketed. Those are the two milestones that kind of said, okay, you know what, this isn't it tonight. Because they just showed a lack of effort, and the only reason I'm, I'm going to focus on that is because I, I have the person I feel is to blame for that um, that we're going gonna to bring up in a second. Them just absolutely ending the half that poorly was like a, a telltale sign of it's that type of game where, you know what, this doesn't seem like it's going to go the right way, and it didn't. Shocker there. So like I kind of alluded to, who's who's to blame for that? I'll just get right to it, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hate, and maybe people are disliking the video because of this, but Brad Stevens, in my mind, literally holds like 90% of blame for what the hell happened against San Antonio. Let me tell you why. And first, I feel like people look at me as some sort of pessimist. I don't want to fire Brad Stevens. 
I might use the word fire here in a completely different context as I give my take, but I don't want to fire Brad Stevens. What I want is Brad Stevens to have a little bit of fire in him. So there's a few different parts of this that, that I want to, I want to talk about that kind of involve Brad Stevens. We'll focus what I already talked about that sort of, you know, end of second quarter, end of the first half way to close out the half um, sort of drought and just absolute no play there. That I'm not pinning on Brad Stevens, but the connection to it is then how do you come out after halftime? If I was an NBA coach and my team just gacked all over themselves in the last like two minutes of the half, I'm going to make sure as shit that they're going to come out. I am going to be 110% confident that I am letting them know that wasn't okay. You got to do better in the second half. What did the Celtics do? Come out and start maybe even slower. They didn't have the gleaming errors that they had to end the half, but then they didn't even like say, okay, you know what? That's behind us. No, they almost let that affect them. And the reason I go straight to Brad Stevens there is because I feel like any time this team talks to Brad Stevens for what we can assume is an extended period of time to start games, coming out of halftime, that type of thing, this team stinks because you know he's not the motivator. We've said that on the podcast for years now, but Jason Tatum confirmed it when he was on J.J. Reddick's podcast saying Brad Stevens is more of an X's and O's guy. He's not a motivator. Coach K is the motivator. You know, you literally heard it from your best player's mouth. And I feel like it just shows, like, the Celtics have started so many games so slow. No one hyped them up, right? They come out of the half so slow and stink in the third quarters for a few years now. Isn't that where coaching adjustments are made? How many times in the NBA do we hear about, oh, no, this team's going to adjust at halftime and then they'll be good to go? We hear about it in football all the time. Bill Belichick is the type of guy that everyone goes into halftime confident he just learned something. Brad Stevens may have learned something, but his players go out there and seem like they just took a power nap and maybe slept five minutes too long, so they woke up groggy before the third quarter at halftime. So, yeah, I mean, obviously there's so many, so many contributing factors to a team and how they come out of halftime or how they start a game. It's not all in the coach, but if you're telling me that the coach has nothing to do with motivating this team or doesn't need to, I should put it like that, doesn't need to motivate the team, then I think you and I have to have a serious talk because I think that that's one of the biggest things a coach can do, especially with a team like the Celtics where their their stars are so young, they need someone to kind of keep them on the, the track because I wouldn't blame Jason Tatum for Jalen Brown to kind of all of a sudden just not tune it out. Like I'm not trying to use that word, but all of a sudden just kind of be like lost in the game, they need someone to keep them online, keep them on track. And if they are underperforming, they need someone to say, dude, get it together. Be the alpha as a coach. Be the alpha as a coach or you're not needed. So, like I said, I don't want to fire Brad Stevens. There's no better options out there for me. Why would you get rid of Brad Stevens? That's stupid to me. But as a Celtics fan, can I wish for Brad Stevens to to get it together in terms of, you know, playing with or coaching with a little bit of fire and intensity. He may be the least intense coach in the league. And I'm not saying go full bore Nick Nurse, right? Or or any other crazy coaches, Tom Thibodeau. I'm saying get a little bit of that in you because you are one of the best coaches in the league when it comes to drawing up plays or, you know, working with the talent you have. I'll give Brad Stevens that. That's why I love him. And that's why I don't want to fire him. But... If you don't have any intensity in you, then I just don't... Like, basketball is the coach that you need the intensity in. You're right there, right in the action. 
you know, it's it's a smaller arena. You're not yelling across a football field or a baseball diamond or, you know, behind glass or on a bench and hockey type of thing. Basketball, you are right there. The coach has so much to do with the game. Not if you're a LeBron coach, like I'm, I'm not saying that, but if you have a team that's made made up of, you know, mid, or mid to early to mid-20s players, and you as a coach have so much of an impact, more than you think, than just drawing on your whiteboard uh, a play. And that's where I think Brad Stevens, and, and we talk about it in the stream, and everyone's like, well, that's just not him. Get used to it for eight years. I trust Brad Stevens enough as, again, one of the best coaches in the league to say, okay, that's what I'm missing. I got to work on that. Now, if we had never seen Brad Stevens ever, ever get energetic, or I'll keep using the word, bring the intensity, then I wouldn't expect that he could ever learn how to. But we've seen it before. We've seen him go at a ref or get into a player. I remember it was like, weirdly enough, I don't know if I remembered exactly, but like two years ago, they're playing Thanksgiving Eve, I want to say, against the Knicks, maybe. Like, think I think that's what it was. Jason Tatum kind of was not playing too well, and Brad Stevens brought him to the bench, and literally, like, the camera caught him just ripping into him. And then Jason Tatum goes out and plays better. You know, like, a coach can do that. It's not necessarily a, a fear-instilled yelling at your guys. It's more or less being a motivator. Like, when, when Jason Tatum's playing poorly, or Jalen Brown's playing poorly, or Kemba Walker's playing poorly, any of the guys on the team, I want Brad Stevens to pull him inside and be like, you're better than this. Go out there and do it. Or if the refs are bending us over a barrel and showing us the 50 states, I'd like our coach to let them know. And, you know, people say, oh, the refs aren't going to listen to the coaches. I always refer back to the Toronto series last year in the playoffs. The Celtics were working Toronto over and over again. Obviously, OG hit that shot, kind of changed the series. But throughout that entire seven-game series, Nick Nurse was literally up the refs you-know-what. Over and over again, every single call he was bitching and moaning. And what started to happen? I don't know if you noticed, but I sure as hell noticed. All of a sudden, the refs started giving in to that and started blowing the whistle. And I keep going back to, these refs are humans too. Like, I don't think they can just block it all out. You might think that they can, but they're going to get frustration whistles, just like, you know, you'll get a frustration technical in the NBA. The refs will give you a frustration whistle because if anything... You know, they start to notice what's going on more, and maybe they get, I'm not this is a bad word, but like brainwashed. If they keep hearing, that's a foul, he can't use his arm, he can't push off, he can't push off. All of a sudden, the ref's going to start looking at that, whether he wants to or not, just because he's hearing it over and over again. And then if he sees even the slightest push off, guess what he's going to do? Now that there's been so much attention drawn to it, he's not just going to ignore it. And I feel like Brad Stevens doesn't do that either. So forget even the motivating part. I just want the intensity, whether that comes through motivating or making sure refs know where he stands. And I know that's probably an unpopular opinion. Oh, you don't want your ref to be, you know, bitching and moaning at the, or your coach to be bitching and moaning at the refs. Like, that's not what you want. That's not the type of team or the type of coach he is. I don't want that to be, I, like I said, I don't want to go full bore Nick Nurse at all, but I want a little bit of that. Give me a little bit of that. Mick, throw it into the mix. Because I love the coach that Brad Stevens is, but if he just had the ability to, to motivate and sort of assert dominance, I think that in games like the Spurs game, it could really, really work. Um, and it could really, really change things. Like, there's been a couple nights now where, where I feel like Brad Stevens gets outcoached by the guy he's playing against. And I, I look at, Pop as one, Doc Rivers as another. Um, and these are names that, yeah, they're, they're the, the top of the top coaches, right? But if Brad Stevens is supposed to be considered in that class, let's see him go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them rather than, 
seemingly, you know, ragdoll by then. But that's like the biggest part, right? That motivational aspect. The second one is I feel like Brad Stevens' rotations at this point, and it's still early in the year, so I'm not going to be too hard on it, but they played every single person in the arena, aside from the guy with a little squeegee that wipes up sweat after foul shots. They played every single guy in the rotation pretty much to start the game. You don't look like a con- you don't come off like a confident coach if within the first 10 minutes of the game you play your entire roster. That's telling the other team I really have no clue. I have no clue who's going to perform tonight or who's going to do what. So, and I I don't want to get into that again because I've said that for a couple of years now that I believe bench players play better when they know their role and know sort of the the vibe and the context as to when they will be playing and when they won't be playing. Right now, you have a legitimately entire bench of Javante Green, Semi Ojale, Grant Williams, um, Carson Edwards, Aaron Neesmith to this point, you know, of, of guys that are just like, Robert Williams, throw him in there. It's guys that are like, whoa, okay, yeah, I, I, I don't even know if I'm going to be like a healthy, did not play tonight. You know, like we, we've seen it for a few of these guys. It's like all of a sudden Grant Williams gets a lot of run, good or bad play, doesn't play the next game. Then all of a sudden he plays the next game, and it's like, well, what changed? You know, like what, what if he did play good or bad, then if he played good, why did you sit him the next game? And if he played bad, why did all of a sudden he play a bunch of minutes the next game? It doesn't make sense to me. And I feel like we as fans do have the right to to, to um, comment on that because it's a, a million percent what you see type of thing. You know, like people, oh, you don't know what's going on in the locker room. Brad might be saying, everyone get ready. doesn't matter. You can tell me, everyone get ready, and I'll be ready. But then when my name's called, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I mean, I was, I was ready per se, but like, I, I guess I'll go in now. Like, my mind wasn't ready technically, but, you know, you told me to be ready, so I'll go in. It's I don't know I think it I think it makes more sense to to have a and and all the top teams kind of have that every guy has their role a lot of these top teams have the sixth man seventh man eighth man they kind of get the vibe of the team and they know their rotation they know their role and I think that just the the continuity of all that I think should speak volumes um, whereas the Celtics don't necessarily have that so that's enough damn I told you this, I told you guys this is going to be a negative episode wow. Um, that's ragging on Brad Stevens big time. Like, I just spent, I don't know, 15 minutes maybe. I'm not looking at the, the counter here. 15 minutes ragging on a guy that uh, pretty harshly that I literally don't want to get fired. <laughs> hey, that's what you get on this Unleashed podcast. You put me in front of a mic, and all of a sudden, I have no clue what's going to come out of this mouth. But let's let's get to a couple of voicemails here. Hey, Evan, this is Sheehan, man, um, coming straight from Sheehan's world and uh, part Shout of the banners of Dante Toro. I just want to point out, it is absolutely atrocious that the Celtics lost to that Spurs team last night. That team only has one player that averages over 15 points per game, that being DeMar DeRozan. It is absolutely atrocious that we allowed LaMarcus Aldridge to own us the way he did. I think this team really needs to look at themselves. I think they are still good, but I still think they have a far way to go. And I think we have to really look at the bench because we are really struggling with depth. There's only a few guys off the bench that can really score, one of those being Pritchard. And after that, there's not really a lot of threat. So there has to be a move made to get a threat off the bench. All right, have a good day, man. Go Celtics. I mean, hard to argue with any of that, right? One thing I will say in in that Spurs game – 
apparently in their last, not apparently, I literally looked it up, in the last 18 games now, including last night against the Spurs, the Celtics are 2-16. and 16. Talk about a team having your number. Talking about a coach having your number. But, um, yeah, I mean, if we want to focus on the bench there for a second, because I think I kind of talked about how that was just such a, a pissed-off type loss. But the bench does present an issue. And, and this is, I guess, kind of going to backtrack a little bit on what I, you know, said about Brad Stevens, too. When you have a bunch of guys who their purpose is still unknown on this team, it does make it hard to coach. So talk about Brad Stevens throwing the kitchen sink at a team in the first quarter. It's kind of because he doesn't have the, okay, this is my go-to big man off the bench. This is my go-to point guard off the bench. This is my go-to scorer off the bench. Like We don't have that as a, a roster configuration for Brad Stevens to even work with. So I know I hate it on Brad, but that is a sort of a point in terms of that's not his fault. And I even said that actually beforehand. I said, you know, one thing I give him credit for is making the most of what he's got. So forget the rotations for a second. Let's and forget Brad. Let's focus on the players. I talked about having a purpose. You need a guy like, and, and we've talked about this, ready? JJ Redick is a guy that I would love at the trade deadline. What's JJ Redick's purpose? To come in and shoot the three, spread the floor too, but shoot the three, provide some offense off the bench. As a shooter, the Celtics literally need that. They've needed it for years, and they haven't gotten it. They haven't even attempted to get it, it seems. You know, Neesmith was the first attempt at getting anyone that specializes in shooting, and we're not even sold on him. I think he's looking better and better, but we're not even sold on him. So that's one guy that adds something. Another name, P.J. Tucker. He's just going to play defense and shoot a corner three. A 3 and D guy, that's his purpose. It, it really isn't that hard. Now, notice when I talk about the trade deadline, I'm not talking about going and getting a huge name with the, the TPE. You can be patient with the TPE, but getting someone to help this bench or getting a couple guys to help this bench really should have been done yesterday. And it's not hard to do, and those names that I mentioned really don't mortgage the future in getting. They've said P.J. Tucker's asking prices two second-round picks. Come on. Two second-round picks. That should be something that Danny Ainge is like, uh, I'll call you on two different phones and get this deal done right now. That should be something that just seems so, so easy to me. So this bench, the guys on this bench, I'm ready to say are not the guys that are going to be on this bench if they become the, the true, true title contender. If I had to pick, this is going to go against what most people think, I would say, but if I had to pick a couple guys on this bench that are going to be, you know, able to play if this team's a title contender, it's probably Pritchard. And I'm talking about that lower tier bench, okay? Because obviously Marcus Smart and maybe even like Tristan Thompson or Daniel Tice should be bench players. But given COVID, given all the injuries that you've had, these guys haven't had a chance to play. So I'm going off of the bench we've seen so far this year. Marcus Smart's been a starter. Both the bigs have been starters. Um, so we're really looking at that sort of Pritchard, Teague, Sammy, Javante, Rob Williams, Grant Williams, that type of thing. So if I have to pick, I'm going to say there's three names that I could see being long-term here. I wouldn't be surprised if they're not, especially one of them. But it's Pritchard, Robert Williams, and probably Grant Williams. I know, the Grant Williams probably drops Jaws to the floor when I say that because if anyone knows me, knows the show, I really don't like Grant Williams. But if we go back to my purpose take just one minute ago, you know what Grant Williams' 
purpose is if it works out. Semi Ojale, what the heck is he in there for? He's the definition, and, and I got to give him credit for stepping up a little bit this year, but he's the definition of just a body out there. He's too small to play a big man. He's too slow and chunky to really be like a guard. He's just that sort of strong guy in the weight room that every single time he plays, they talk about how, you know, Semi Ojale works out really hard. It, it, it's it's and, and Javante Green too. I love him. I think that he could be good on another team. Semi Ojale could be good on another team too. But it's like they're just bodies out there to me. Grant Williams, at least as much as it pains me to say, has a purpose. He's supposed to be that sort of small ball big man. And good thing it's small ball big man because he's about three foot six. But that small ball big man that just, you know, plays physical and gets rebounds. I know people want to talk about shooting. I know people want to talk about um, his setting screens ability. I feel like it's brought up like stupidly enough. Like, just like, okay, the guy sets good screens because he's thick. But that's not we. The Grant Williams' purpose is to be the small ball big man that that can play physical, box a guy out, get a rebound. You know his purpose, Robert Williams. You obviously know his purpose. He's supposed to be the high flyer, the shot blocker, the rim protector. You know, on the offensive end, catching alley oops, dunking it, and then Pritchard seems to be the point guard, the guard, spark plug off the bench. Those guys have purpose. But Jeff Teague. I think he's slowly losing, you know, he does have his purpose. He's supposed to run the second unit. I think he's slowly losing his pizzazz. I think he's starting to stink. Um, Semi Ojale, we already talked about him. Javante Green, we already talked about him. Like, these guys are just utility tools. They can do a little bit of everything. I don't want, and I feel like this is something that I've said over and over again, probably going to get clipped and quoted. I don't want a jack-of-all-trades on the bench. I want a jack, I want a master of one. Master of one, jack of all trades, no. So give me someone that's a master at something, like J.J. Redick. He has flaws in his game, no kidding. P.J. Tucker, flaws in his game, no kidding. Robert Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams all have flaws in their game, but if they were to work out to be what they're supposed to be, they actually have a role. That's got to be the constant word here. What's your role? What's Semi Ojale's role? What's Javante Green's role? These guys are just like average height, Put them in there because they can play positionless basketball. I don't know if I'm sold on that yet. I know Brad wants to drive towards that. I don't know if I'm sold on that yet. So, I don't know. Take that for what it's worth, talking about the bench. Um, let's see. We got one more voicemail to play. Here we go. And since then, uh, I saw your tweet asking about how uh, I feel about the Celtics and, you know, where they're at right now. And, I mean, 50-50, I know we're on the up and coming right now, but they still have a lot to improve on. I like what we have with um, Peyton Pritchard, though, and I hope that he gets better soon because I know he got hurt. He's been really good for us. Um, I also like how we addressed our, like how we addressed our depth. So I think that this is important to get we guys like to, Jeff Teague how and we tried to, right? Jeff Teague and Tristan um, Thompson tried also, to address Aaron Nathan, depth. You know, he, <laughs> hopefully he fixed it up. I think that he still has a lot of potential and. You know, I'm thankful that Payne Richard picked up the slack when he wasn't, you know, as a rookie at least. But they have a lot to go, so I can't really say that. Uh, Jalen Brown, man, he's a, definitely a superstar. I don't even have to comment on that. Vince Tatum, Tatum's really valuable. You know, not having him for that treasure game really showed. Um, hopefully, Tice picked it up. Thankful for what Thompson's been doing. Hopefully, Robert Williams continues to develop. And overall, I think our team's still going to be really good. Yep. We have a lot to work on, though, and ultimately, I think that should be our goal. Uh, Playoffs-wise, I mean, we could go. I think we can make the conference finals, but we have to really, really push that one. So, 
All right, so shout out to to Ben, right? That was the name. So I I kind of think I I kind of got positive vibes from that email, right? You, you know, he listed the the good things that we can acknowledge, which is something that I really took pride in doing on this show last year. Whereas people were ragging all over this team, I was kind of like, well, look at the look at the pros that have worked out. Look at the the small wins. So I, I like that he brings up, you know, Pritchard. What a positive find, right? Neesmith, you still can give him some time. Um, but, you know, in the first sentence, you said you're 50-50 on this team. It's fair. That's fair. You know, this is going to seem like 100% of a negative podcast. But in in reality, I'm confident in this team, too. I've said it over and over again that this team is in such a unique place where it's a learning year, a building year, while still contending. So conference finals, I wouldn't put that past them getting it there. Like, I think it's a lot harder than it was last year or years prior. But I wouldn't say they can't make the conference finals. Like, this team plays up to its competition and plays down to its competition. That's not necessarily a good thing. But in the playoffs, you're more or less going to be playing up to your competition. So I, I do I do see the positives in this team, too. So I think that's a good voicemail to, to start closing out the show on because, you know, if, if we just solely focus on the negatives, this team wouldn't have a positive record. They wouldn't have two superstars, you know, sub-age 25. They wouldn't have a great coach, who I, I gave the most amount of props to this episode. And they wouldn't have a rookie that made an immediate impact. They wouldn't have a, a veteran all-star on their team. And, you know, the, the one thing that I want to call out in the voicemail is that the depth, you say that they went out and addressed it. You can say that they addressed it. I'm not going to say it wrong. But adding Jeff Teague and, and Tristan Thompson, I think, has been underratedly good. You know, he could be better. He could be doing more. But focusing on Teague for a second, they did address the need for some more depth. I just don't think it's working out with Teague. So, I don't know. if I don't know what the definition of addressing something is. Is it literally just acknowledging it? Because they went out and got Teague. They acknowledged that they needed some sort of a guard off the bench. If he doesn't work out, I don't know if they really did their best to address it. You know, it's, it's, they more or less acknowledged it. But um, either way, I do, I do think that there are positives to pull. So I, I think that that's totally, totally fair. I think that this team could still make a deep playoff run, but I think it's all going to come down to, you know, that bench if this team could stay healthy. Because like I already kind of mentioned, if this team stays healthy, you're looking at a way better bench technically, right? So it, it, it's a lot of, a lot of that. COVID, injuries, all that. If this team stays healthy, then the bench issues and even the role issues I talked about with Brad Stevens, all that does sort of, you know, taper back a little bit. There's still going to be flaws, still going to be issues, still going to be voids on the bench, but it starts to taper back, taper back, taper back, taper back. So, uh, yeah, there's episode number 99. We are cranking along. I mean, this podcast is... A year and a half old, or what is it? I don't know how old this podcast is, but the fact that we're at 100 episodes in less than 100 weeks shows that we are pumping these out. In fact, in the month of January, I think we've probably already, and it's only, like, only, it's 28 days into January, I think we've probably already pumped out near, like, I don't know, let me pull it up right now as we do this. So in the month of January, this will be our sixth, sixth or seventh show already, and we still have a couple days left in January, so... I mean, you're welcome. No, but uh, it, it is really, you know, it's it's uh, it, the podcast has grown. The fact that we're at 99, I got to figure out what we're doing to celebrate the 100th. But, um, hey, here we are. Um, 
and that's all we that's all we got for today's show, guys. I mean, I'm not worried about the self esteem. I'm just um, I'm concerned to some degree at this point. But nonetheless, this is Unleashed. We're gonna start signing off. Thank you guys very very much for tuning into the show, and we'll catch you in the next one.